You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Welcome to Monday, January 27th, 2020. How long does it take you to realize that you're not going to say 2019 anymore or write it down? I think writing it down is probably the biggest mistake that we all make. You know, you're filling out whatever form it is and you turn around and you're like, man, it's not last year. Like that's like the biggest struggle with the year, you know, year to year changing stuff over, especially when you enter a new decade. My name's Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike's on First. You want to call the show, 615-499-6690. Tweet us as well at LockedOnSTL. So last night, uh, me and the little boy took part in the annual tradition of watching WWE's Royal Rumble. Shout out to Drew McIntyre for winning the fake fight. Still, you know, storyline-wise, I guess it's the right choice. I don't really watch a lot of wrestling. I enjoyed it a lot as a kid through high school and uh, early college years and uh, stuff like that. Now, it's more or less, I'll watch it if there's like a big match I think it's going to be kind of interesting or fun to watch. Or right around this time of year at the Royal Rumble and then heading into WrestleMania. I think that would be a... Uh, <laughs> that's an appropriate time to watch. Also over the weekend, even though we are a baseball podcast, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the passing of Kobe Bryant and his young daughter Gigi, as well as everybody else on the plane, or excuse me, helicopter, uh, that went down yesterday. That is just one of the most horrific and terribly sad things I think I could even imagine happening. And not just because it's Kobe Bryant, but to anybody. And for a lot of people out there, Kobe Bryant represented what Michael Jordan represented to me. That's what they represented to them for a generation of fans. He was that player. He was the best player in the NBA. So our condolences to his family. And and I and I'm not even I'm not trying to be condescending when I say this at all. Condolences to his fans as well. I mean, if you're a big fan of the guy, you know, and he grew up or you grew up watching him play, uh, it's no small thing to lose a hero like that, especially in a tragedy of that nature. You know? I, I wish they all could be like Stan the Man and and live to a ripe old age of 90-something. But that's that's not the case. So, again, uh, rest in peace, Kobe, and uh, his daughter, too, taking much, much too young. On today's show, we've got some uh, listener text, uh, listener voicemail, and, again, if you want to take part in that, 615-499-6690. Or you can also tweet us again at Mike's on First. That's me. Or at Locked On STL. We're going to talk about Yadier Molina's uh, contract situation heading into spring training. And uh, going to talk a little bit about the left field situation as well. And maybe why exactly uh, the Cardinals don't seem overly concerned. I believe, I believe it was... Mike Gersh, who, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, says he wasn't overly concerned about the cleanup spot. 
Okay. We're going to touch on all that today. So again, if you're listening, however you're listening, thank you. You can catch us on, uh, of course, uh, megaphone.fm. I believe that's the site. No, it's, it's, uh, that's our service provider. We are on, uh, you can locked on St. Louis Cardinals.com, I believe. And then you can also catch us on Apple and Google podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, radio.com. Uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we are there. All right, Yadier Molina coming up on his 16th season with the St. Louis Cardinals, the only team he's ever known, recently said that he doesn't want to play anywhere else, and if the Cardinals aren't interested in signing him beyond uh, this year, it's his final year before he uh, is set to hit free agency, then he's going to hang it up. He's a Cardinal for life. It's the only team he's known. It's the only team he wants to know. Kudos to Yachty. One of the all-time greats, and really when you think about it, let's go back to 2004 when he basically started his career here. He started as Mike Matheny's backup. Uh, I can remember playing as Yachty in major, or, excuse me, MVP Baseball 2005 from EA Sports, a light-hitting catcher, as it were. Um, when you go back there, you see the people that was on the team around him. I mean, this is even before Wayno. We're talking Pujols. We're talking Matt Morris, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. You know, Reggie Sanders was on the team back then. Woody Williamson. You know, some some guys that really stand out. Albert Pujols. How can you forget about Albert Pujols, Mike? You know, and that that's kind of where I was going with this, is, is with Big Al there, Albert Pujols. Back in 2004, you saw this whole career unfolding a lifetime cardinal you know we weren't quite to the point where people were uh thinking of him as a shoe in hall of famer he was only in his uh fourth season in the major leagues at that point and we didn't realize that we had basically seven more years of albert starting then well, Yachty was hitting next to him, and if you had to pick between the two as to who you thought was going to be the lifetime Cardinal, who you thought was going to take the Cardinals into greatness, you would have said Pujols, right? I mean, there's really no question to that. There's really no... Anybody else that said otherwise, anybody else that said, oh, it was going to be Yachty, that's going to be that, that, that player of a generation. I mean... If you did, you were like one in a billion. Nothing against Yachty back then. Yachty's always been known for his defense, always been known for the kind of catcher that he was. But he wasn't Albert Pujols. And he was kind of in, in Pujols' shadow for a long, long time. Even when him and Adam Wainwright were making up a battery that we didn't realize was going to be something special, as special as it was going to be. We didn't realize what we were watching. You know, and it wasn't just him and Wayno, him and Chris Carpenter. They did that too. I mean, for as long as he was healthy, I guess Mark Mulder as well. But looking back now, it, it would say that in all due respect to Albert, his accomplishments and what he has meant to the city of St. Louis, Yachty is the face of that franchise from that time forward. I don't... He's still one of the faces of the franchise, but he's not by himself anymore. And he's very clearly 
on the back end of his career, I believe coming up on 38 years old and you're starting to see a decline. You know, it's, uh, it's, he's not a bad player. He's still above replacement level, but he's not where he was by any means. So I posted a uh, poll on Twitter and it was, if I can actually not click off things, that would be great, wouldn't it? The poll said, ignoring the Arenado drama for the moment, what kind of extension does Yanni get now that he says he's only playing for the St. Louis Cardinals or retiring? What would you give him? And now somebody, there was a few responses. Somebody said, I thought Yachty already said he was going to go year to year. It's kind of what Wayne is doing, and he might be. But if you are the GM and you're going to offer him an extension, if you're going to offer him a contract, what are you going to offer him? The choices were two years, $10 million total, three years, $12 million total, or one year, $6 million total, or other. The uh, With an hour and 22 minutes left to go at the time of this recording, two years, $10 million total, seems to be winning, but just by a few percentage points. One year, $6 million total in second, and then three years, $12 million and other are tied. Now, I put up these options just so people could kind of see what I believe would be a logical fit. You know, less overall per year, but more overall for the total deal, so on and so forth. Uh, somebody, let's see who it was. By the way, Jake H., thanks for uh, bringing up to my attention that he said he was going to go year to year. Um, STL Tat says uh, at STL Tat 75, one year, $8 million. The Cardinal Connoisseur, KY Cats STL, says uh, $10 million per year on a year-to-year basis. He's earned $10 million per for his past performance, and it's not like that hamstrings the organization. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I wouldn't think it would hamstring the organization either, but you don't want to be given large amounts of money like that on a per-year deal unless you know for a fact that, one, there's he's going to produce, and two, uh, it's, it's going to be worth it. And the reason I say it is it's not that Yanni's not worth it, but you look at the situation they're in with Carpenter. You look at some of the money deals they gave to like Luke Gregerson, Gregerson, Brett Cecil, stuff like that. And I don't, I'm not saying Yanni's a bad player. or He's going to become a bad player. That's not it. You just have to be very, very careful, tight and up that kind of money, especially on something based on like past performance. If you ask me, he was already paid for that past performance. That's what this last extension was about, making him until Paul Goldschmidt, the highest paid Cardinal uh, on the team. I believe ever, right? He was the first one to hit twenty million. Wayno got close, but not close enough. So, uh, at season OL says personally, I'd go year to year, depending on uh, Kisner's progress. Uh, maybe. I think if they were high on Kisner, they wouldn't have signed Matt Weeters to that backup catcher role. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Weeters get traded. To be completely honest with you. I'm not saying he's going to be traded for an Arenado or something like that. But I do think that it's going to be, uh, he's going to be a little bit of trade bait. Is it a mistake? I don't know. Uh, but some of the stuff I'm reading is that the Cardinals just aren't as high on Kisner as uh, was once believed.
All right. Uh, again, you can listen to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. We are there. We're going to talk about the um, currently vacant left field spot, the best way to decide who's going to be filling that spot. Some news on uh, Nicholas Castellanos as well, and your emails, tweets, texts, phone calls. It's all coming up right here on Locked On Cardinals. So the Royal Rumble last night was a lot of fun watching with the little boy. And uh, say what you want to about Brock Lesnar, but seeing him toss guys over the top rope and just as soon as they come in and then tossing over a couple of the big guys was very satisfying. However, Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway, whatever he's going by now, coming in and just giving that, I think he calls it the Claymore. It's like a big super kick. And just knocking Brock right out of the ring. The moment that happened, and they were kind of having that stare down, like, Drew's going to win this thing. It's going to be Brock and Drew going to WrestleMania. I don't know. I enjoy watching it this time of year, as I said. This is Locked on Cardinals, so yes, we do talk about baseball uh, as well on this show, not just wrestling. (laughs) And uh, spring training right around the corner. I don't know if any of you are making a... Plans to head down to Jupiter, Florida, but if you are, be sure to uh, tweet us your pictures, tweet us your op- uh, observations, or again, you can call the show, 615-499-6690. All right. Uh, catch us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you listen to your favorite shows. Okay, well, Marcelo Zuna signed with the Braves last week. And despite all the Arenado news, I think there's a lot of Cardinals fans out there calling for uh, the Cardinals to sign Nicholas Castellanos. Former Detroit Tiger, former erstwhile. Where did he? Where was he at next? Was he in, uh, in Arizona? Where did he go? Where did he get traded? Maybe he got traded from the Tigers. I don't remember at this point. But anyway, he was a doubles machine for the Cubs. A lot of people said he was going to, uh, well, get a big money deal. But then uh, Ozuna only got the one year. And now it looks like Castellanos may only do that too. Who knows? The big story out of this, though, is that the Reds, according to John Morosi, are the front runner to sign Castellanos. The Reds, whose pitching rotation has improved marketably over the course of the offseason, the Reds, who are attempting to make a run at a division, the Reds, who seem to be taking every opportunity to say, you know what, we're not going to sit here and let this happen. The Cubs are down, the Brewers are down, the Pirates are garbage. And the Cardinals apparently don't want to improve anything. So they're making great strides. And I have to admit, it's a little bit unnerving. Not that Castellanos is a game-changing type player. Uh, But it's a little bit unnerving that, that the Cardinals don't seem to want to take advantage of the opportunity they're in. I mean, it's as if DeWitt is looking around saying, you know what, I got this. 
We don't need to add anything. We're better than these guys. We were better than them last year. We're better than them now. Except for that one little small tidbit that you don't know how to hit. This team can't hit a lick. You got some good hitters in there. Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Tommy Emden for a brief second. Colton Wong. That's bad hit. It's a team that likes to strike out a lot, too. So, was that a left field option for the Cardinals? Possibly. Doesn't look like it's going to be now. So, that brings us to our uh, our next point. What are the Cardinals going to do with left field? A lot of people are dreaming about Dylan Carlson patrolling the outfield of Bush Stadium. That's a possibility. Some people think Lane Thomas is going to come out of spring training the clear, the clear leader for left field. I don't think so. Justin Williams, some people are rooting for him. It'd be nice to see. But you can have any left fielder you want, as long as his name is Tyler O'Neill. Barring some crazy setback during spring training, if you think anybody but Tyler O'Neill is going to be in the left field spot, ain't going to happen. Mr. K, Mr. Strikeout, and I, I'm dogging on him a little bit because it's not that I think he's a bad player. And he does seem to have some glimmers of some good stuff going on the more he plays. But, man, he strikes out a lot. And I do mean a lot. It's just bad. (laughs) And the reason I think it's going to be Tyler O'Neill is because he's the only bad out of all those guys, except maybe Dylan Carlson, who's never had a major league at bat, so you don't know how that's going to go. But he's the only one out of all that group of people who can slot in as a designated hitter, or not designated hitter, cleanup hitter. The only one. He could slot in as a DH on any American League team. May not be what you want to hear, but that's how, that's how it is. And one thing I've come to realize about this Cardinals team over the last couple of weeks, they are who they are. You know, John Mazalog doesn't think that they need to improve from uh, outside. And for all the buzz about Nolan Aronado from all the different Twitter people, whether it's Incarcerated Bob or the other folks out there who say that, you know, there's some smoke and that Aronado is on the block and all this stuff, I'd love to see it. I'm not discounting anything anybody says because I have seen it all happen on, on as far as these people's sources on Twitter. I've seen a lot of people be right. I've seen a lot of people be wrong. But the people who are right seem to be right consistently. So I'm not discounting what they're saying. But until it happens, this is the team. This is your Cardinals team. For better or worse, you're looking at a lineup that's going to have Matt Carpenter at third base, most likely leading off. I don't know what's scarier is him starting at third or him leading off, but that's probably how it's going to be. You're going to have Colton Wong in the two spot playing second base. Nothing wrong with that. Paul Goldschmidt, the big thumper in the lineup. He's going to be playing first, hopefully hitting a lot of bombs. But without some kind of protection behind him, whether that is is developed internally, 
from giving more playing time to someone like Tyler O'Neill or going to get somebody else. I think he's going to have a lack of protection, so we're going to see what happens. Tyler O'Neill will probably be playing left field and hitting cleanup, taking the spot of the big bear, Mr. Ozuna, as Ozuna makes his way down to Atlanta. Your number five spot will most likely be occupied by Yadi Molina. Again, you can't really complain about Yachty, but I don't know about him hitting in the five spot. Baldy Young will probably hit sixth. Dexter Fowler will probably hit eighth. And Harrison Bader will probably... Uh... No, I messed that up. Fifth, sixth. Dexter Fowler hit seventh. Harrison Bader will hit eighth. And then uh, the pitcher will hit ninth. Or if it's, you know... Michaelis or Wayno or one of these guys that can actually swing a stick a little bit, they might hit eighth. And then uh Bader will hit ninth. So that that's kind of where that's kind of where you're at. That is going to be your Cardinals team. Doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, does it? And I'm not discounting Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is a was a great acquisition last uh, offseason. Still is a great player. Now, and he's going to be the face of the franchise going forward whenever Yachty decides to hang it up. He's kind of the face of the franchise now. Co-face of the franchise. I guess you'd have to say it's Yachty, Wayno, and Goldie are your faces of the franchise. So we'll have to see. Um, I know this. I think left field is going to be very fluid. If Tyler O'Neill doesn't cut it, you're going to see Lane Thomas. He can't cut it. You're probably going to see Justin Williams. You're probably going to see Dylan Carlson. Anybody else they can throw in there just to see if something will stick against the wall, right? Okay, before we go, we do have a uh, text and a voicemail to get to. The first one is from Uncle Frank. He says, welcome back. First on a personal note, glad your son is doing better. Thank you, Frank. On the Astros, I believe this scandal will soon envelop other organizations. Hard to believe it will stop with the Astros and Red Sox. With the way players and coaches move around baseball, it would have seen it would seem other teams would have been aware of what was happening and done the same. I think we've just seen the top of the iceberg so far. Just my opinion, of course. Frank, I agree with you, man. I agree with you 100%. Now, here's the thing. Baseball wants this to go away. So unless there's other whistleblowers that's going to call other teams out, I don't know that we're going to see anybody else. No team wants this black eye. They've seen what happened to the Astros. They've seen what happened to uh, the Red Sox. They don't want that. So unless there's a whistleblower, I believe every other team is going to quit it and they're going to keep quiet about it. Or most probably just come up with a better way to do it. Because what do they say? It's only cheating if you get caught. Isn't that what happens? All right, uh, let's see. We got a call coming up. Who is this? It is Andy from Ann Arbor. Hey, Mike. Uh, this is Andy from Ann Arbor, formerly of St. Louis. And I wanted to give you a call. I'm a new listener, although not a new Cardinals fan. And um, I listened to another Locked On podcast and found yours. I think you do a fantastic job. You've got, uh, like, a great radio voice, which is awesome. And um, I like that the podcasts are relatively short but full of information. You do a fantastic job. Uh, looking forward to hearing more from you this season. Um, 
with regards to the Cardinals, I'm kind of tired of the nickel and dime shit that they're pulling, as they always do. Um, I really agree that they do need another bat, and uh, the fact that that doesn't seem to be happening for them is pretty disappointing. Anyway, um, looking forward to hearing more episodes, and I uh, hope you have a great day. Take care. Hey, Andy, thanks for the call, man, and uh, thanks for the compliments. I appreciate it. Uh, and if you like us, Andy, leave us a review, five stars. And anybody else listening, leave us a review, five stars. So uh, addressing some stuff in his call, he talks about the nickel and diming stuff. Now, Andy, here's the only thing I want to say. I'm with you, man. I want him to go out. I want him to go. I want, last year, I wanted him to sign not just Goldie. I wanted them to go out, and I wanted him to get Bryce Harper, right? Uh, I want them to trade for Nolan Arenado. I wanted them to sign Ozuna, albeit to a short. I don't know why they couldn't just sign him for the deal that he signed, but that's neither here nor there now. You know, I want them to do this stuff. I want them to create a happy medium of pulling from within the organization and supplementing that talent with stuff from the outside. You got so many darn prospects. I don't know why you can't make off a trade. Now, that being said, I understand that a lot of, um, you know, trades are two ways, right? Trades are two ways. The other team has to want to do it too. But I have to feel like there's a way to get some of these deals done. And uh, the only thing I'm going to say in their defense, two things, actually. Number one, and I said this on the last episode, when Mo did not trade for Zach Wheeler, even if it was only going to be one of Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader, I think he was a little bit forward thinking because I knew, I think he knew DeWitt wasn't going to uh, spend a lot this offseason after signing Goldie to that big deal. So that's probably just a little bit of forward thinking on his part. And not that Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader is, you know, some massively amazing player. But it's still a player with major league experience that you would be giving up for, you know, half a season of Wheeler. The other thing I want to say, and I said this on the last episode too, is they do have a, are going to have, after you have call-ups and things like that, a $170 million payroll. That's not chump change in base, in baseball now. Are they maxing it out over 200 some odd million dollars like the Red Sox or the Cubs or the Yankees, the Dodgers? No. But I, uh, they got like a top seven, top six payroll, something like that. So it's not, uh, it's not at all. It's not. A, I don't know. I think that the issue would be, is that they are. They're spending their money in wrong ways. That's probably the best way to put it. It's not that they're not spending; they're just doing it in a wrong way. So, Andy, thanks for the call. You can call back anytime. Anybody can call if you'd like, 615-499-6690. That's going to wrap up today's show. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, additions to talk about if these Arenado rumors are uh, true. If not, we will continue forward as we always do. This is Lockdown Cardinals, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.